Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast, episode number 57. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your Uber driver, Mike McKenna. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Before we begin, I, I want to make sure our listeners understand, we, generally speaking, do not produce these shows ahead of time. In other words, most of the time, we don't know what we're going to be doing or thinking or saying. I thought you said we don't care, but okay. <laughs> and we don't care. But also, I just I wanted to point that out because a lot of the other rivals out there are, are a little bit more scripted. And, and a little overproduced from my perspective. Oh, man. I think we we go with the raw deal here at the Unregulated Podcast. Okay, so it's going to be a tough show. So bottom line here. <laughs> All right. We have... Um, we have... Um, a handful of topics. A handful of things we probably want to get through here. Where should we start? Uh, we should probably start uh, uh, with the top news of the last couple of days, right? The Republicans voting to get infrastructure bill over the hump that Nancy Pelosi couldn't get over. Uh, the Baker's dozen? 13, yeah. Um, you know, mostly New Yorkers uh, and New Jerseyites and mostly because of the building trades. But, um, you know, those 13 and the 19 senators who voted for it, um, everyone's sort of piling on. And I'm kind of in favor of that, but for slightly different reasons than everyone else. Everyone's talking about their traders and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I have two fundamental problems. One is the momentum after Tuesday. Last Tuesday was swinging our way. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean to say that you're a little concerned that uh, the state aid, what are we calling the media these days? We have Stenographers. Phrase, the stenographers for the administration. Yeah. We're... Desperately trying to change the subject to get out of the news cycle uh, of the election on Tuesday. And a mere 72 hours later, 13 brave Republicans handed yeah, it's the narrative back over. It's political malpractice. <laughs> the, the other thing that strikes me about the 32, right? Because keep in mind, we had 19 I, I, senators vote I for it. Um, More than House members, yeah, actually. They... Um, there's not a single thing in this bill. I finally actually read all of it, all 1,975 pages. Um, there's not a single thing in this bill that like resembles a Republican priority. So these 32 uh, members of Congress essentially gave away their vote for nothing. You mean they didn't insist on Keystone? I'm saying that they're lousy. There was no permitting uh, reform. You know, actually, nothing. NEPA reform would have helped the, the, the Greens right NEPA now. NEPA reform. Now they're chomping at the bit to build stuff. Leasing right? stuff, Keystone, social cost of carbon. I could think of a million different things. Literally none, nothing, no thing that looked like a Republican priority showed up. So, so I don't know about how treacherous or any of that other stuff, but here's two things we do now, right? They're terrible at politics and they're worse at legislating. And for that reason alone... They probably should be sent back to wherever they came from. Looking forward to looking forward to the primary season. I don't know about anybody else, but I am. Now, why is it so? Why is it so? Um, what's so, what's so wrong with bipartisan infrastructure? We don't we need to build roads and bridges. I'm sure country? we do. The unfortunate fact is, of course, only ten percent of the money in this bill has to do with infrastructure. The rest of it is uh, cats and dogs of you know various Marxist wish lists. Am I allowed to say that? Sure, I think you are. No, there you go. I think you are. So and like I lots said, of money for, for transmission in this bill because that's infrastructure, as you know, because we need to build the smart grid. Well, yeah, there's some money. There's actually only five. Okay, so the administration says, hey, there's $73 million billion in there for grid modernization, right? But when you actually look at the number that's in there, there's about five, 
$5 billion in there for grid modernization. And then everything else is sort of, again, cats and dogs. The other thing this thing does is it federalizes transmission permitting. Um, you know, it gives to it gives FERC the ability to override a state's rejection um, or with uh, withholding of a permit um, to build um, transmission across the state, right? So the it, clean line could technically sure. be built now as a result, sure. assuming that FERC right. votes three. And everybody loves this. Everybody loves this idea. That like at, at FERC, they're just in love, and the transmission guys are in love with it too. There's a Here's an editorial I wrote for Utility Dive that's coming out tomorrow, I think. Here's a little advice for all you cool cats and kittens. You know, <laughs> the last thing you really want to do is federalize anything because when you federalize something, boys and girls, you politicize it. You politicize it. So here's what we're going to have. We're going to have a bunch of stories where State X doesn't want something. And FERC is going to come in and say, if you don't do it, we're going to come over the top of you and do it. And state X's senators are going to call up the FERC commissioners and say, hey, I really, really, really appreciate your input. And now sit down and shut up before I destroy you. Um, and I don't but get But the FERC is an I independent commission. Yeah, like, come right. on. Tell, you can't be telling tell, me that they're going to interfere like that. Tell Harry Reid that. Yeah, no, it, it I think that's everybody now thinks that hey, we're just going to we're going to basically send our permit application over to FERC and they're going to rubber stamp it. I think it's crazy. Okay, so I, I honestly so tell me, think it's crazy. So tell me the 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 main voters uh last uh, It's a last perfect example. Tuesday, it's a perfect example, but right? But 60-40 yeah. To kill a pipe, uh, transmission line yeah. that would have brought uh, hydroelectricity from Quebec yeah. down to Massachusetts. That's right. Third strike, by the way. Yeah, it was this is the third time Massachusetts has tried to to blow right. up transmission. They tried to go through Vermont, and even the land of Bernie rejected it. Mm. They tried to go through New Hampshire, and it was rejected. And the, the voters of Maine yeah. told Massachusetts to stick it. I mean, now, if you can't look. I'm yeah. gonna do it. I'm gonna line from old from old blue eyes. If you can't build it there, yeah, you can't. You can't build it anywhere. Yeah, the. I mean, this is basically going through a forest. That's right. So 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 transmission. Sixty forty. That's right. Six, Opposition. I, I think it was from, six. I think it was actually sixty one thirty nine. It was worse than okay. sixty forty. Sorry. Um, I, I was rounding. Yeah, yeah, and and the referendum would have would have required like everything done. You know, as part of the permitting process to. Um, receive supermajorities in the state legislature, a bunch of stuff that's never going to happen. So you think FERC's going to override? Yeah. And then, then, you know, so as soon as the, this thing gets signed, then, then they're going to petition to have FERC override No this. doubt. No doubt. And no doubt that both of Maine senators, Angus King and Susan Collins, are going to just lean all over FERC to not, you know, not vitiate the will of the people. And if you think about it, if you're state X now, you look at what happened in Maine, that's what you do. You have the people vote because then it puts the senators and members of Congress, right, the House guys, puts them in a spot where they have to do something. If if this terrible beating hadn't been on the record, the Maine senators could have maybe pretended that, well, you know, there are people in Maine who approve of this and they want it yeah, and blah, right. blah, blah. That's over. That's done. So you um, know what has to happen out there. I, the folks got to get involved. The folks have got to get well, involved. I was going to say they, the funny thing is that there's a whole bunch of green or quote unquote green organizations on the ground. 
Yeah. That are fighting against all of this. Sure, stuff, sure, right? sure. The, the environmentalists built an intricate web of laws and regulations designed exclusively to prevent to things stuff, yeah. from being built in this country. And now that they've got big fat wads of federal cash to build stuff that they want, i.e. transmission lines from the place, for place yeah. where the wind blows to where the people live, they're going to have a hell of a time trying no. to get this just, stuff just, done. Doesn't matter how much money they have. Well, there's two other things, right? There's two other things about about it that we saw in Maine, right? Um, one is transmission lines are worse than pipelines because you basically dig a you dig a hole, you put the pipe in, you cover it up, you plant some stuff. Unless you know exactly where a pipeline is, you really don't have any idea, right? Um, transmission lines you can see for miles, right? You they and they and the easements themselves are significant, oh, yeah. right? Your run of the mill pipe easement is, you know, twenty feet. Um, end to end, right? Transmission easements, you know, it's it's fifty yards, sixty yards, all um, clear, all brush, all yeah, clear, yeah, and everything. Yeah, 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 unless yeah. you're, you know, yeah, and the, and the crews come out every once in a while. Of California, yeah, in which case, right. The crews come out and do vegetation <laughs> management once a year. So that's one, right? Transmission is obvious. The, the second thing is that, um, unlike a pipeline. There's lot. There's always going to be somebody who's opposed to transmission who has money in it, right? Because there are power plants that are located near load centers, near demand centers, right? Excuse me, near demand centers, um, and they're going to always oppose um, transmission lines because they threaten their their economics. Happened in Maine, right? I can't remember which. Whoever owns Seabrook, the nuclear plant in um, in New Hampshire, now they spent like twenty five million bucks on this. Um, on this uh, referendum in in Maine, right? The other side spent like seventy five million. The losing side spent like seventy five million. But you know, twenty five million bucks plus local opposition, it, it's pretty powerful. Um, and you're going to see this happen again and again and again. And FERC, a federal agency that I like and respect and admire, um, the Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, I was going to say, y you're. That that commission's going to be a lot less well loved yeah. after about five years of trying to bigfoot yeah, people. This, yeah. Anyway. Okay, so this is a oh, this is the oh, an overarching problem um, in this space with respect to just the general crazy concept of federalism, right? Like we are now moving decisions about where to site transmission lines. Yeah, it's it's all it, the way up. To the to, to to a few a few folks that were appointed by by you know the White House, yeah. it's crazy. It, it it it's insane. Um, you know, I don't, I can't think of any analogy in the federal in the federal um, state relationship. Right, um, the the national highway system is probably the last one, most recent one, but that was gridded out in like sixty years ago now, sixty five, seventy years ago, and truthfully. Um, it was gridded out by um, military guys. Yeah, you can needed, tell, they right? Needed a defense corps. That's right. It was it, and it, not accidental. Is National Highway Defense Act, right? Um, and I think if you ask everybody, hey, in all places and at all times, was the national highway system built in the right place? Local local people and localities would be like, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. There's more than a couple instances That's where, right. like, Pete, where Pete we did some damage. Secretary Pete will fix all that. Yeah, well, you know, with the Build Back Better. Yeah, when he gets his slush fund, it, he's not getting that money. I don't think. Not long term, he's not getting it. It, it, it. 
It's a piece of junk as far as legislation, and I don't understand what it's trying to accomplish, and I don't think it's going well, to I'd accomplish Well, I'd like to congratulate the, the Republicans for helping I, Nancy Pelosi out of her jam. I noticed eight progressives voted against it. You know the game. They waited until there was 218 and figured out how many they needed to up. You know, to make sure that it, well, it that's didn't part of down. that's part of the just part of the objection of the thirteen Republicans in the House, right? They didn't wait till the board showed two eighteen right. to roll in. It was at two fifteen when they started voting, and actually, John Catco from New York was one of the first guys to put his card in. So, I, I'm I'm expecting lots of um, lots of history to get rewritten around this, um, and I'm not gonna gonna do my level best to make sure nobody gets a chance to rewrite it. So here's a question. Uh, Reggie, Virginia. Yeah. Are they going to stay in, or is he going to pull them out? No, he's going to pull them out. Think so? Yeah, absolutely. This will be the test. I don't think it's going to be much of a test. You don't think so? No. So you, you, I'm. See, I'm, I'm one. I'm worried that he's going to go full Romney here. I think it's possible. When he governs. I think it's possible, but um, the problem there is, is he's got himself. Um, 52 Republicans in the House of Delegates and probably another four or five Democrats in that House of Delegates. Who want to, who want to get out. Who, who, who want to be... Um, this who, is the regional greenhouse gas you know, initiative. initiative. Who, who are to his right on almost every issue and are going to keep pulling him to the oh, right. I, I sure hope so. You know what? I tell you what. Come back to me when he names who his Secretary of Natural Resources is going to be. That'll tell you everything you need to know, right? If it's... If it's uh, you know, if it's like the last Republican Secretary of Natural Resource we had in Virginia, it'll be okay, not great. Um, you know, if it's somebody I nominate Doug Dominich. That's who I'm thinking of. Um if it's somebody <laughs> if it's somebody more like uh, more like who we had in the Allen administration or the Gilmore administration. You mean be like Becky? Uh or uh, or uh, um a JP Woodley, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Well we'll see. Let, let, let's... We shall see, but I'm I'm going to be optimistic until somebody gives me a reason not to be. All right. So BBB reconciliation. We're not allowed to call it BBB. We have to call it reconciliation. What, what, what does this do to that? Increase the chance? Decrease the chance. Decrease the chance. Decrease the chance. We keep going back and forth on this. Yeah, I know. I think it decreases the chance. The, you know, um, But what really decreases the chance is that Speaker the Pelosi, clock. yeah, two things, right? The clock, but Speaker Pelosi jammed it up with salt, with a salt deduction cap yes, removal. that was glorious. Right? And no Hyde Amendment. I keep bringing this back yeah. up. But. So, so the, you know, the spending profile on that bill now is most of the money, not most, the, the plurality of the money is spent on rich people living in New Jersey, New York, and California. Um, yeah, with the EV tax credits, if you include that. And to that say, too. yeah. And then the second thing is climate change stuff, right? Yeah. So, um, so the party who, it's going to be hard. party who wants to, Tax billionaires. Oh, and by the way, did you see the little uh, Twitter war between Senator Wyden and his son? Yes. <laughs> which I assume, which I assume, I assume that's staged. His son lives right? in Florida, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I assume it's staged. I mean, come on. Nobody nobody does that to their father. <laughs> it was pretty first. rough, man. Yeah. For those who are unaware, he basically said, well, luckily, we, we're better at math than the senators that are, that are penciling in these billionaire taxes. Yeah. They, um... Yeah, the other thing I should point out is calendar, right? Um, Senate's in next week and then out the following week for Thanksgiving and then back in for two weeks. Supposedly, they're going to um, gavel out on December 10th for the year. Let's figure they hang around for a couple more weeks. They have five five weeks. In those five weeks, they're going to have to do something about the debt ceiling. 
right? That, that, that that's going to expire on December third, um, so they're going to have to address that now, and they have no obvious mechanism that I can think of to do that, right? She's going to try to squeeze in a vote on her version of this, sure, and then basically the Republicans are going to give the the Schumer Schumer crowd an out by just wrapping it, rolling everything into one big thing. To get him out of town and punt that conversation to after the new year. I think if if I were if I were the Democrats, I would take that. That's deal. what I want to do, because you got the NDAA, you got debt ceiling, you have FY twenty two approved still um, that you need to do something with, right? Um, CR to March first, probably, probably. But at at that point, you know, you do a CR to March first, that's your number, right? You you don't come back in on in February and redo it, right? You just you. Come back in in March and run it till the end of the year. We'll, right? We will see. I, I have been. I've said this before. I've. Uh, I've been. Su- I'm surprised. It keeps marching forward. It keeps marching down the road. And all I hear from everyone is, "There is no way that they can do this. There is no way that they can do this. They're getting. They're getting there slowly but surely. They're chipping away at it. Well, so. it's it it's the debt ceiling that's the tricky part here. You know, the probes are easy. Um, the NDAA is straightforward. It, debt ceiling is I'm not sure how that gets squared absent some kind of big deal and I thought we were going to get a big deal last go around and we didn't I'm hesitant to say I think it's going to happen this way um, I think the right answer is reconciliation winds up bouncing till next year and mm-hmm. and that's um, that's a death knell for it right nobody's going to want to touch that in election year well we uh, we congratulated Joe mansion for delivering his infrastructure bill because this is a good old timey old line yeah, man. democrat pork barrel spending bill is basically what what it yeah, is yeah joe mansion's not your friend and and uh you know senator cinema deserves credit for, for cajoling some republicans along in the in the senate right yeah. that was her main yeah. job so it it you know everybody forgets joe mansion's not your friend neither is kirsten cinema they are actively working against the interests of the republic so, am I allowed to say that? Maybe I just free did. country. Okay, at least, at least still for the moment. Still, <laughs> so I was told I couldn't say stuff at lunch, so I'm trying to check. All right, uh, moving on. Yeah, I, I got a clip from Secretary Jenny. Let's have it. May in Sturgis, Michigan, it is two dollars eighty nine cents a gallon. I guess that's better than in California. What is the grand home plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC. And they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already okay, planning. That's so. You know, the interesting thing is, you know, the Department of Energy has an energy information agency, and that agency does the forecasting of what oil and gas prices are going to be. As of uh, as of right now, their forecast for the beginning of December is that on average, gas prices, gasoline prices will be about three dollars. All right, make it stop. Okay. First of all, it's not the agency. It's administration. But that's okay. We'll we'll give her a pass on that one. Because the Whopper, she's from Canada, continues to be this garbage that I, I, OPEC is somehow like the you know the. It's almost like that visit 
that Joe Biden paid the Carters channeled the 1973, you know, energy, you know, the the 1970s energy poverty plan back into the fold. This is not this is not complicated. If it's true, then somebody should add if that's true, which, of course, it's not right. OPEC doesn't determine price all by themselves. Um, If it's true, somebody should ask, Okay, how come the last guy didn't have this problem? Right. And still waiting for someone to I'm ask. Still waiting for but, somebody to have this. Let's put this into into perspective. The United States, the marginal increase in production of the United States alone over the past, say, up till last year, yeah, was about eighty percent of the of the total um, growth in demand of yeah. the growth in, produ- in, in production. Production. Yeah. Okay. Now, some countries produce more. Countries like Venezuela. And Europe produced a lot less. So if you if you factor in that other countries produce more and other countries produce less, then the then the United States, in absolute numbers, produced forty six percent more oil, and supplied that much more oil to the global market. Yeah, they are the swing. Yeah, we are the swing. Yeah, I mean it. You know the funny thing is what the OPEC guys are concerned about. And the reason why they're resisting um, increasing production is not because, first off, the OPEC guys are about 600,000 barrels a day under quota, right? Which means there's no cheating going on. Um, If anything, there's underperformance. The OPEC guys are concerned about underinvestment. They're looking at America and saying, you guys are underinvesting in your own oil and gas fields. And why is and, that? And we go oh, because of, of the expectations that the Biden administration is going to damage the industry, right? It, investment is all about psychology, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing else. Why else? Um, I give up. Why? ESG. Yeah, same, same. Same, same. You make a distinction where there's not one, right? Okay. Um, but but there, New York's driving a lot of this. New York's not driving any of it. If if the communists weren't doing it, the New Yorkers wouldn't be doing it, and vice versa, right? The the, the guys in finance land, are, um, you know, they they they're the ones who give the money. Sometimes they pay attention. Sometimes they drive it. But it's all the same crew, right? So, yes. Uh, to remind look, our listeners, Brian Deese used to work for for Obama and then uh, yeah. for Larry. So all these guys, um, the OPEC guys, they're worried that prices are going to go up to a hundred. Um, $100 a barrel here in the first quarter of 2022, certainly not later, mid-2022. They are worried about the boom because after a boom, always comes a bust, right? It kills demand. And they are, they are um, unlike our current administration, our friends in OPEC, Russia, China, are capable of second-order thought. Right? They see what's going on here. So I'm not sure which I'm more concerned about, the fact that Secretary of Energy doesn't understand any of this, or the fact that she was dopey enough to laugh in response to a well, question. That, we're going to actually be adding that that laugh to our oh, repertoire yeah. oh, hell yeah. to remind folks how 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 these people feel about folks paying more for their gas prices. Look, this is you got a, basically every single person who's in charge of making sort of decisions or 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 pretending they know anything about energy in this administration are lawyers. With zero experience or or background in in energy, and yeah. it shows. Yeah, it I shows can't. bright and and clear. I can't think of a single person in this administration who's got any energy background at all. Not a single soul. Not one. 
So, so the answer to their prayers is opening up the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Which is, which, by the way, just before we hit, just before we went on um, to tape this, administration said they had no announcement for us today about whether they were going to do a release from the SPR. They're going to at some point because it's just too much of a distraction and a stunt. They can't resist. They're it's also, gonna... it's also in the bill. They've got six. They've, they've got, I believe, it's in this bill, uh, the infrastructure bill, that they've got an authorization to release about. Six billion, six billion, six billion worth, uh, six billion dollars so worth. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be done because a they've got statutory authority because yet again, Congress raided the SPR to pay for their pet projects. So, yeah, it, it's not going to matter is the, the larger. Right, point. That's right. What's going to matter is if they stop doing things like studying whether or not. Or what the economic impact is of closing line five. That's right. See, and that that and that's a that's and a great, that's the market signal that they're sending. Right, and that's a great segue, right? Um, you know, line five is something Secretary Granholm should know about, right? She was the governor of Michigan, and she's from Canada, as I pointed out a couple of times on this show already. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy so, to have gas at three and a half bucks. And you are seriously talking about, and it's crazy to be going into a winter with natural gas at six bucks, and be seriously talking about closing line five. It, it some a reporter asked me about it a, a week ago. They said, "Hey, what do you think?" I'm like, "I'm against it on humanitarian grounds, but I'm in favor of it on political grounds because it, it, it would end democratic rule in Michigan forever. We would they would never vote for another Democrat." Well, Whitmer's at it. And, uh, it's crazy. I want to congratulate her because she's the only person, as far as I know, in human history that was able to anger Canadians. <laughs> so good job out there, Governor. I, I, it's a plus. All right, what's next up on our list? Um, <laughs> Joe Biden, as you know, had a um, bit of a debacle in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, and... Interestingly enough, nobody in the uh, what's that phrase again? I got to remember this. Nobody in the state st in the stenographer the, the class. Stenographer class picked up on or has talked about it since, right? So anyway, I found this. Someone dug this up, and you you may have heard this already. This is from 2007. Uh, Joe was running for. Shocking president. Shocking enough, Joe is running for president. This is one of his creepy town halls. Hold on. It's a big difference how we end this war. And it makes a big difference to tell the American people the truth about what our options are in ending this war. If tomorrow the order goes out from the president, I'm president of the United States, I issue an order, end the war today, begin to withdraw all American troops. It will take a year to get the American troops out. You hear me now? That's the truth. It will take a year to get them physically out. Now, if you leave all the equipment behind, you might be able to do it in seven months. And you leave those billions of dollars of weapons behind, I promise they're going to be used against your grandchild and mine someday. Yeah, you know, my favorite part about that whole thing is it was delivered to, I think, four people at that town hall. <laughs> yeah. He also did that like creepy lean, like that close in. Yeah, he was really close in on this one lady. It was kind of sad, weird. I, I really I don't him. have much to say about this other than he's got some bad staff. He's got some really bad staff. Like, sure. like uh, some dude on Twitter plucked this out of the C SPAN archives. He's also not 
himself right. very well good at this stuff. I, I this is absolutely to me like if I were if I were and and God bless it's Veterans Day this week. God bless our, those who are serving. May God watch over and protect them, and may God have mercy on the souls of the generals. But this has got to this has to infuriate anybody who invested and potentially lo- either lost their life or risked their life in Afghanistan or anywhere else that we that the president of the United States sends somebody. This is this is a this is a political thing for all these guys. They don't they don't as they didn't go and they don't know Gates anybody. Said, who went. He's been wrong, he's about, been wrong every about everything. Foreign policy yeah. issue in his entire yeah, well, political but that's because he doesn't care. Like I said, he didn't go, and he doesn't know anybody who did go except for one of his sons who went as a JAG officer. All right. Um, I don't know. Anything else on that? Uh, no. I'm sorry you brought it up, to be honest with you, but okay. Okay. Um, is it my turn? What do you got? I got two things real quick. One is the guy in Buffalo. Um uh, Byron Brown, the guy who won that right Right down, Byron Brown. Yeah, right down, Byron Brown. The guy right there. The, um, a bunch of the Democrats are apparently pissed off that he won. And at the time, I, I when I first read that, I chuckled. And then I thought, wait a minute. We have a precise analogy in the Republican Party. They want to purge him from the Democratic National Committee um, because he defeated a um, a Democratic nominee. He ran against and defeated a Democratic nominee. We, didn't we do that at one point? Um, right. Exactly. Uh, uh, not too long ago. We have a sitting senator. We have a sitting senator. I mean, we haven't brought her up in a while. I'm going to do She's it been right pretty now. Pretty quiet. We have a sitting senator um, who did the same thing. Lost in the Republican primary, mounted a run in, and then the United States, the Republican caucus in the United States Senate, reinstalled this senator with seniority and gave her a committee. Um, so. <laughs> I guess what the the, the, the and, and her legacy what what was her legacy? Yeah, the man. first installment of the, the oh, yeah. permanent Department of yeah. Energy in you know in encroaching on our energy space it, it, legislation. It, it um this is the second installment. This bill that was just passed yeah, last week. But the thing that struck me is is that the progressives in the Democratic Party are learning the same lessons that the conservatives in the Republican Party learned have been learning for twenty years, and that is. The establishment of both parties protect their own. Just get used to the idea because you're going to have to eat a lot of stuff you don't want to eat because of stuff like that. So um, Mayor Brown, Senator Murkowski, um, Buffalo, Alaska, more similarities than just it's cold as hell in both places. (laughs) And I am shocked at how much time we're spending talking about Buffalo. In this podcast, it's because one of us is from Buffalo. But you brought it up, man, not me. It just—it was your issue. The other thing that struck me out here in <laughs> politics land is that Chris Sununu, uh, Governor Sununu, from New Hampshire, announced that he was not, in fact, going to run for Senate. And everybody, two things, right? Everybody, everybody in Washington who had anticipated he was going to took it as a personal affront. Like somehow he had let them down. Yeah. Like he yeah. like he has a moral responsibility to run for the United States Senate. Yeah. That was thing one, right? The sense of entitlement among people, um, including one of our competitors, who, you know, just what? How could he not do he he How dare owes he? us? He owes us. Right? <laughs> sense of entitlement, right? That's one. The other thing was the reasons he gave for not running. 
he basically boiled down to this. It seemed to him like the life of a senator was a terrible life, right? He didn't want to spend his entire life raising money and having people tugging at his sleeve. I have or or blocking blockading his Maserati. I have said right. I have said this for years. I'm going to say it one more time here. Um, the life of a member, a House member, is terrible. The life of a senator is only slightly less terrible. But you spend your entire life seriously raising money and having people tugging at your sleeve and demanding attention. And you know what? Unless you're completely committed to it, you shouldn't sign on for it. So I never thought I'd say this because I could not stand his dad. But good for Chris Sununu. Congratulations on making what I think is the right decision for you and your family. Um, and, you know, I think it, I mean, enjoy look, the life I think God gave to you. Governor is the good gig, man. Look, you governors, know, governors are governors a hundred times yeah. better than being a senator. And speaking of, uh, and by the way, the Sununus are like, 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 sure, man, dynasty, yeah. you know, in that state. But the um, governor of Florida has announced his reelection run. Uh, which was expected, but you know, what was less expected, but, but now thinking about it, I kind of get it. DNC is not going to play. Yeah. Why would they? They're, they're, they're seeding the, they're seeding, they're seeding the, the state of Florida. Yeah. 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 Why would they, right? They, they, there's nobody, there's no statewide damage. There's no, nobody in this, in the, oh. this was a state that was like le legitimately purple-ish. Yeah. Here's you the know, thing. Like with, they were taking a serious thing. run at it. Yeah. Here's the but thing they've got Florida. so many other seats to defend and so many other places where they've got to build a wall. Yeah. Okay, first off, Florida has never been really, like, left. Florida's always, Florida's always been weird and center-right, right? right? Uh, Much like the country. Right, with a strong street, with a strong strain of libertarianism running right down the middle of it, right? So, you know, the Democrats, think about the Democrats they hired, right? Um Bob Graham, whose birthday it is. Happy birthday, Senator Graham. Oh, I have some um, Graham stories, but I'm going to bring it and up. And they, you know, and guys like um, uh, Bill Nelson, right, who are for the most part inoffensive, ineffective, but inoffensive. And maybe those two are connected, right? Um, so I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And they're, they're, they're really going to try, I think they're going to try to spend money on Val Demings to beat Marco Rubio, which is um, a, a good and interesting try, but... Um, Congresswoman Demings is going to find herself um, always explaining why she's a Democrat in Florida, right? Because she's a normal person. Questions are going to come over the transom about gun rights and the craziness on critical race theory and spending and the border and inflation and energy prices. And after a campaign of that, she's going to decide, <laughs> God almighty, like, wait, why did I decide to issues, do this? These are not my issues, right? Why am I talking about this again? This is not what I want to talk about. Right. So anyway, uh, she's potentially bad. further, uh, you know, increasing uh, the migration of the Hispanic community. Yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Republicans in Florida. You, you know, Florida, not the same and state. And not just the Cubans, by the way. No, no, no. Florida is not the same state, but um, there are um, there are three states now on the same track that Missouri has been on. Right, Missouri is about fifteen years ahead of them. You know, Missouri, everybody forgets Missouri used to be a legitimate swing state, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and that just stopped. Um, you know, but but, I, but but Nevada used to be a swing state, and we, we seem to have potentially lost out. I don't think – I don't – yeah, I, I was going to say here. we're going we're gonna to win that Nevada seat for sure. Um, 
we're going to win that Nevada seat for sure. Whether we. Uh, by the way, um, my uh, I have a good relative, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, who's working at the Nevada Republican Party, so go Jeff. Yeah, I mean, the Democrats in Nevada are, are splintering along the same lines the National Democrats are splintering, right? You know. Yes, they they had their progressive purge. Yeah, are you the side of the crazies or the side of the normal people? But anyway, the three. Please don't were... consider Harry Reid a normal a normal person in that. Is, is he in the normal person camp? Everybody forgets that Harry Reid came to the Senate as a pro life, pro gun Democrat. Was just a boxer from searchlight as a pro-life pro-gun democrat like everybody else in the west at that time um i was gonna say iowa ohio florida are taking the same journey that missouri's taking right and and in five years on the outside we won't even be able to think of those places as as swing states anymore and you know i'm going to predict right now the next state in to get on that track and by the time we get out of the business, um, we'll be like Missouri, ready? Uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Same track. If you look at Pennsylvania. They got a bus at that, that Philadelphia, you know, lock well, on. The great, lock the on great the, thing is the right. great thing is Philadelphia is emptying out a population on its yeah, own, right? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's oddly enough, that's why I was going to, that's why I said Pennsylvania. If you look at the demographics of Missouri and Pennsylvania, very similar. Very similar, and um, just like St. Louis has emptied out a population in the last 20 years, Philadelphia, and this is something I regret, I say with no enthusiasm, Philadelphia is emptying out a population. It would not surprise me if Michigan also joined that, right? Because you, you look at Detroit and what goes on in the rest of the state. Rock um, City, baby. Um, rock, what do they call it? Rock Chalk Jayhawk. What, what do they call Detroit? The Motor, the Motor City? City. I hope they call it the Motor City. Detroit Rock, though. Didn't Kiss have a song, Rock City? Detroit Rock, Detroit City. Rock City. What are you? What are you? How old are you? I'm <laughs> very old. We already established this earlier. In All right. I got one. I got one more thing, and right. then I'm done. What do you got? I got one. I got a quick cop. Quick cop update. I want okay. Just two quick. Just a quick stat. I'd rather then, talk about um, politics than I this, this to stuff. Do a comment. So, um, I'll just do the stat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll give credit to Javier Blas. Javier, who's doing just great work. Yes, by he's the way. doing good Twitter work. I, I do. I'm, I'm tailing him now. I like some of his stuff. While COP26 enters its second week, China announced overnight that daily coal production has reached a quote unquote multi year high of 11.93 million <laughs> tons per that. day. Yeah, man. Up more than 10% from September levels. Okay. <laughs> and then the next tweet he wrote was you can see i'm fascinated terrified by what he's doing what china's doing with coal production and the visual way to think about it is just 90 days between october and december china is adding the equivalent of a full year of coal production in poland poland yeah um yeah so that's my that's my uh sort of that's my summary of cop 26 is all of these guys like running around like listening to goofy speeches from children who are supposedly our leaders here and in Europe, and like this is what's going on well, with the biggest emitter in the country in the world. I mean, I mean, you saw you saw that Gazprom has now um, started to repack the lines going westward into Europe, right? For natural gas, and all the Europeans are like, "That's great, that's great, that's great," and you're just like, "You, you, you can't be in favor of burning natural gas and be sitting at the cop. You just can't be." Yeah, you, you guys need to pick a side here. Either you're in favor of your people, or you're in favor of um, the crazies. And 
Um, what I like about Javier is he's just a numbers guy. He's like, yeah, yep. here's some numbers for you. Enjoy. Okay. Um, and the other highlight, of course, is um, former President Barack Obama couldn't help himself. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and I'm not going to let you suffer through any, Thank you. any of his comments. Thank you. But I will will read a, a sentence in his um, tweet that he sent his comments out to the world because uh, he loves to hear himself and how smart he is. The guy who said we can't drill our way out of uh, high gas prices. We've done some important work since the Paris Agreement was signed six years ago. Typo. But we're still nowhere near where we need to be on climate. Okay. So I I, I agree. Right, but I want to parse this out a little bit. Okay, I agree with him also because he's not talking about emissions reductions. He's talking about climate because when politicians say that we're nowhere where we need to be on climate, they don't mean emissions. They mean we're nowhere where they want to be with respect to control of the types of energy we're allowed to use, the types of cars we're allowed to drive, how much we pay for said electricity and vehicles, and on and on and on and on and on. So this is not about emission reductions, because if it wasn't, then that statement is false because we've exceeded our pledge. One of the the great things about Virginia, about the elections in Virginia, was that President Obama showed up right a couple days out, you know, and did (laughs) it. He's he's been showing up to a lot. Showed up, did his thing. Hey, hey, hey. Virginia's got a chance to yeah. make history. He caught a couple radio spots too. Yeah, of so course yeah. he did. Hey, got to like my buddy Terry. He, he called who, my house. By the way, it was a Clinton guy. Of course he was. The last time I checked, the Clintons he, and the Obamas he called my house. weren't really the Obama best. Obama called my house. He said, "Hey, hey, <laughs> yeah. I need you. I need you to vote for <laughs> Terry McAuliffe. This, this, this he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And hey, you know the important thing here is that Virginia has a chance to do something historical. I'm just like, you know." I guarantee you he was probably worth 20,000 votes to the Youngkin campaign because there were probably 20,000 people sitting in their, oh, like, sitting oh, in their living rooms. Back. I know that was my first reaction. I was just like, <laughs> I can't listen to this guy anymore. You know, I never didn't like him. I always thought he was kind of an interesting guy. But for some reason, that routine has just gotten so old. That whole, that whole hey, I'm the smartest kid in law class. So in law school class, so you should listen to me. I'm like, just go to your house in Martha's Vineyards or wherever the hell it is. Enjoy yourself. Ride around on your motorboats, whatever the hell you do, and shut up. Anyway. Yeah, but now that uh, – uh, okay. So those are my two cop highlights for the week. Okay. And I'm I'm out. I'm done. I got one more thing. So the internals – I'll be quick because I know you want to go. The internals of Virginia um, – Look like this, when you when you model it out to the rest of the country, the Republicans look to be um, in a position to pick up about fifty House seats, right, uh, in twenty twenty two, and there's been a lot of triumphalism about that. Like, hey, we're going to take control of the House and probably the Senate too. I'm like, probably. The I encourage everybody out there to think real hard for a second about what are you going to do with it. Because if you keep your current leadership and the current bunch of people who run that place for the Republicans, you're going to do nothing with it. It's going to be of no value whatsoever. Well, to the you. first thing that they're going to do is clear, clean out the barn, 
right? They're gonna clear out the decks, gotta get a fresh start, right? Which you know what that did, what what that was the last go round, yeah, right? You know, the, it it lame duck where they like basically like piled on and like cleaned every it, like it, took everything that the Democrats were doing, and and wrapped it up in a bow and sent it it's, over to tr- to Trump to sign. I, I'm with you. I'm I'm reserving. I think there's a real chance that the Republicans are going to take the majority in both houses. And I'm very concerned about that because I have yet to hear any any Republican other than maybe Jim Banks and Gary Palmer explain anything about what they hope to do with it, which tells you it's going to be bad. The only thing that. um, The only thing that is valuable, like the minimum thing that is valuable with that is that, you know, they control the floor. The minimum, yeah. right? So we don't have to deal with all this, a lot of this yeah, garbage. Yeah, yeah. yeah it keeps... It, but I'm 100% in agreement. I mean, they're going to have to pass a budget, and Biden is still going to be there, theoretically, or or his, you know, vice president. Next time next so, time they come up on a debt ceiling, it, it's, I, would, I would cut open this reconciliation and this infrastructure thing, and I would revisit all the things we hate. Yes, but no Just, one's talking about that. And I know. The problem is, is that we have... Like AOC is right. Like they're they have they already have constituencies for a lot of this stuff. So what? Look at the chamber. So what? We have constituencies too. We just right? do, we just don't organize them and arrange them well enough. If yeah. you're a taxpayer, you're a constituency, and you're getting hosed by all of this. If you, um, if you own a stock portfolio, you're a constituency. You're getting hosed by it. If you're involved in the economy, you're a constituency. You're if you getting pay hosed get, by it. If you pay, if you and, drive a car and fill your tank. And you and I, right. And you and I both know that current leadership is woefully underprepared and perhaps unable to take advantage of this moment. Well, That's, there is a solution to that. Yeah, man. Either get prepared or move on. That's all I'm saying. I'm if you, you really think we're going to take the House and the Senate, and I think we are, here are your choices. Prepare for being lousy or prepare for being good. There's no third option. All right. And on a purely personal note, um, if you've enjoyed the show, please review it. Tell your friends. Uh, if you don't like it, call us up and complain like you like you usually do. And give us feedback. Give us always, We always like feedback, uh, but we usually prefer positive feedback. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's good. Let's end on that note. Thank you to our our loyal followers. We look forward to the next episode of the Unregulated Podcast. Peace out, ladies and gentlemen. Namaste.